Good morning. So you're going to be sitting for the next three hours. So we, we need to, to, to stretch a bit. I would like you to find a person to just move to and say, I commit to being the agent of peace. Just find someone. If you don't stretch, you're going to be sitting for three hours. So that's going to be hectic for you. Yes, agent of If you're online, please type that on your screen. You commit to be the agent of peace. Thank you. So, yeah, um, that pretty much helps for the next three hours. So, my name is Ben, uh, if you haven't heard, and I'm privileged to be the first on-site preacher for 2022 and online. Thank you. <laughs> So welcome back if you are back, uh, but if you're still holidaying and watching us online, please do enjoy, continue to, to enjoy. But we would like to, for a moment, observe the reality that we've got colleagues that are in distress. And would like to say for those that are in dis distress, any form of distress, it might be illness, it might be any issues, financial and all that, this God of peace that we want, would like to talk about, the peace that we would like to talk about is not about the absence of war, but the presence of God. We wish that peace on you. The God of peace that we're going to talk about here, before we go into talking about this, we would like to say that God of peace is with you. So all the best uh, with the distress that you're going through. So we're trusting that we enjoyed Christmas we enjoyed uh, the New Year festivities, we received gifts, we gave some gifts. But today, we are talking about a gift that is beyond what you got or what you gave. A gift that is beyond measure. The one whose names we are exploring under the series, his name will be. And we'll come to part four of that, and I'm privileged to be the one delivering that. So Andre and Craig have done a good job of covering the three elements of his name will be. And my role today is to talk about God or Jesus being the Prince of Peace. So we'll start with reading our, our main scriptures around that. And the first one is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7. It says here, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counsel, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. The Bible from uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 2 and verse 4 to 5 emphasizes on the same and says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock 
in the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord is God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace when the Assyrians invade our land. We see the message of peace coming through that he is the prince of peace. So Jesus carries the true meaning of peace. It is the meaning that is beyond what we have known or what is generally known in terms of the name or the term peace. Craig has done well to, to mention the importance of names in our, in our lives. That's where we're starting from. It's a name that is being given to Jesus Christ. Where I come from, children are given names to communicate certain messages to our neighbor, to our friends, sometimes not so good names. And some, some of the names that we are seeing um, sort of be a not, a not so good testimony in, into people's lives. The one guy that we know is a soccer player. His name is Hard Life. You can understand. And, and I remember one of the days we had two neighbors. The other neighbor was so talkative. And uh, the other guys named their child Tokmo. This is a real name, eh? And the opposite of that, because these guys were talking too much, the name was Silence. And, and what happens in the community, if I say mine is silence, I'll come, the other one will come, with, will come up with his name to counter that. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about a name with a meaning that is universal. In some cases, these names that I'm talking about are typical or are common in certain communities. But the name we are talking about today is universal. If you go to Israel, if you go to Canada, if you go to the U.S., if you go to Lesotho, if you go to Switzerland, when we say Jesus is the Prince of Peace, it means exactly the same. Universal. His name, as Craig highlighted uh, last week, is pivoted on character rather than, rather than um, title. It's not a title that we know these days to say Mr. President, or it's, it's character, it's what he delivers. It's how he goes about his life, and it's what he delivers. A meaning which transcends the meaning, the general meaning that we know about peace. Peace which us as followers, if we obey, take note, if we obey, are going to experience here is what the same God that I'm talking about, uh, here is what he does. From Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 40. We've seen these things, we've read about these things. This is what, what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, Turn to him with the other. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. It's a symbol of peace. The same God who says from John 18, chapter 10, uh, from John chapter 18, verse 11, 10 to 11. When Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear, Jesus 
commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink of the cup the Father has given to me? This is, this is someone who is maintaining peace even when his own life is at risk. I mean, when, when you call the shots and it comes to a time where you need to use your power to demonstrate that I'm the one in charge here, where your life is at risk and you decide to forego that for the sake of peace, for the sake of what we are experiencing in here, that is commendable. I mean, the power that Jesus had was such that he could command or instruct anything to happen. But we are seeing two cases here. The particular one, right at the end of his life, him calling the shots and saying, uh-uh, peace. Even though I'm about to go, let this that the Father has set for me prevail. That is the sort of person we're talking about today. So, like I've said before, peace is not about the absence of war. To me, peace is about relationships. We're going to explore this further later on. It is about us as individuals, the state of our mind, the state of our hearts, and to a great extent also, the state of our flesh, what we experience in our flesh. So three critical components. War, yes. The absence of it, yes. That's peace. That is at national level, but it's also about relationships. It's about relational. It's also about our minds. It's also about our hearts. Remember when we started, I said, if we have friends that are in distress, we call upon this God of peace to be with them. So Craig gave a lot of context, a great deal of context about the chaos that was there back then when this happened. When the word came through to say the Prince of Peace is going to be coming, there was chaos and real chaos. The honest reality is that wars were there from back then. I'm talking about what we all know about war, peace, international relations, and all that. Wars were always there. Squabbles were always there. From Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 20, it says, You are my hammer. You are my weapon. With you, I break nations in pieces. With you, I destroy kingdoms. This is someone who's realizing the importance of God, even in times of war. God, you are my hammer. I'm going to come and smash. But why is that so? We're talking about a prince of peace, but we're talking someone talking war here. There's a reason. Matthew chapter 24 verse 6 also says it, it emphasizes the fact that wars were there. And even Jesus himself spoke about war. He says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. You will hear of wars, but don't be alarmed. This is the Prince of Peace we're talking about. He's saying you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but do not be alarmed. For this must take place, but even with that, the end is not yet near. There's a number of words we can talk about in the Bible, but today, at the end of the day, I would like to say that God delivers peace, even in that circumstance. I believe that God uses other nations to discipline others sometimes. It's a reality. 
and you realize that for God to, 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 to label other nations uh, unholy or ungood or to be defined as those that need discipline, it starts from this level. It starts with individuals. And it builds a community and a whole nation of a nation that God would like to discipline. The reason why we say let us pray for our nations is exactly for this. That it starts with individuals. But even at times of war, when God decides to say, I'm going to deliver this, we, we speak and see a lot of battles that were won with God's guidance, with God's leadership. It's the same God that we're talking about. Where there's need for war to take place so that peace can prevail, God, the same God we're talking about, will deliver in that war. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 says here, He shall judge between the nations for peace to prevail, remember. And shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they will, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares. Wars will take place, but when God intervenes, shields will be turned into something else. In this case, plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks. Those that do gardening. When God intervenes, you will turn a war situation where we'll take the swords and use them in the garden to prune our, our trees. Who does gardening a lot? Yeah. You can also use a sword when there's peace in the garden to prune. Nations shall lift up sword against nation. Sorry, nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. This is what God does. He's not saying there will not be peace, but when there's peace, he's going to intervene. When there's war, he's going to intervene so that there's peace. Here is what God does. A typical example of where he intervenes for the sake of peace, for peace to prevail. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15 to 17. It's, it's about Jehoshaphat, if you remember, uh, Judah. When he defeats the Moab and the, the Ammonites, he says, the Bible says here, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Because of this vast army. Don't fear this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeriel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out, face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. I know it's, it's also easy to take this verse and say, for whatever war you are going through, even at individual level, the God, this God will fight for you. But in the real sense of war, this same God will fight for you. If you read further in this uh, chapter, you will see that when the war was going on, Instead of focusing on the war, someone raised a praise and worship team to go and sing during battle. That's what God does when he delivers. You will not have to fight this battle. But again, if any battle in your life, you will not have to fight it. 
Because this Prince of Peace we're talking about, this is what he does. Now, let's move closer to home, us as individuals. This is extremely important because when we get to national level, if we do not have this, we are in some sort of trouble. So individual peace in our hearts, in our minds, is hinged off on restoring the broken relationship that we have with God. I know there's a tendency for a lot of people to say, I don't do that, I don't do that, and therefore, I'm okay with God. I don't steal, I don't kill, I don't do this, but I, I'm okay with God. But here is the thing. If we read from Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says that we are, our relationship is, is broken with God by nature. When we say by nature, is we are trying to say we are born sinners. It's before you, you start talking about what you have done right or what you have done, done wrong. Our relationship is broken by nature. So it says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't say for all are sinning. There's a difference between saying for all are sinning like X of sin every day. We are saying for all have sinned. It doesn't mean that we sinned in the past and we are no more. It says by nature. By nature, we are sinners. So what is our response? What do we do for us to reconnect and have peace between ourselves and this Prince of Peace we're talking about? Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says, For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Peace is with God, and it is through reconciling with God that we are reconnected and that peace is maintained. So even when Jesus died, there was restoration, there was confirmation that peace would still prevail after the bad start that we're talking about of our sinful nature. It says here that um, the Holy Spirit was sent to restore that peace or to be the connection From John chapter 14, verse 25 to 27. All this I've spoken while with you. I've spoken when I was still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace, I live with you. My peace I'll give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If we reconnect this peace that is being promised to us, the reason why at the beginning I said, for those that are in distress, peace be with them. It says here, do not be troubled. Do not be afraid. If Jesus says, do not be troubled, He is not defining to say this kind of trouble or that kind of trouble. It's all forms of distress, all forms of trouble. We commit sickness. We commit lack. We commit all issues that we might uh, be facing in our lives. As the Prince of Peace, he reconciles us to God. He is the giver of peace as long as we connect, as long as we obey. In the heart and conscience. And when his kingdom is fully established, men shall learn war no more. War in all its forms. 
There's no, need, there's no end in the increase of its peace, for the happiness of its subjects shall last forever. I know there's a tendency to think that when we are reconnected with, with God, when we, we re-established or when we reconcile, we are out of trouble or we are out of issues. It's a process. We read from the Bible that David, despite what we know about him, all the achievements that he's done, and despite him being one of the most favored uh, by God, he had issues, a lot of distress. David was troubled and battled serious despair during his time. In many of the Psalms, he writes about all the things that he went through during his time of loneliness, fear of the enemy, his heart, issues around sin. He struggled with a lot of those issues. We also know that he lost his son's fact and that um, he also demonstrates lack of peace within his own life. So here's what the Bible says. On more than one occasion, we have seen this. From the book of Psalms, chapter 42, verse 5. He is going to God to say, with all this despair, with all this lack of peace. But what I like about it is he knows that despite my issues, and we know despite him being a so much favored person, he, he knew that the reality of life, there's always going to be issues. But he knew where to turn to. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. We're talking about one of the most powerful people in, in biblical terms here. Great achievements, but still, there were issues with lack of peace. But he knew where to turn to all the time. We've read about Job. He suffered through a great deal of loss. And we've read about what his wife said uh, when he saw that the suffering was persistent. Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. This is the life partner here saying this. Curse your God and die. But Job maintained his faithfulness because he knew that in times of despair, there's only one name that would bring peace at the end of it. We know what the end was for Job. For, for, for Job. The, the kind of restoration, the kind of peace that ultimately came at the end. So there is despair, yes, because it's the reality of life. But as long as we understand where to turn to, that prince of peace we're talking about here will restore us. In our own lives today, we face battles. But battles not in the field of war like we've spoken about earlier on. It's battles of the challenges that we go through in our minds, in our flesh, uh, that take away the peace. It could be disease, like I said. It could be lack. It could be grief. It could be lack of progress in life. There's people that are like, when a friend says that I've gotten a new job, I've bought a house, you sit at the corner and say, God, why him? Why not me? I know in front of him, like, congrats, my friend, well done and all that. But knowing how much a prayer you do every day, you like, you go to a corner and, God, when is my turn? I know it happens. 
But we are saying the God of peace that we're talking about here, he knows when it's appropriate for us. He knows when it is appropriate for us. So, let's talk about uh, peace as it relates to how we relate to the people around us, our neighbors, our community. The fact of life is that everything we do in life is relational. We don't operate in, in a vacuum. We operate in a community where there's even our friends, our, our parents, our siblings, our neighbors. And the good thing about it is that our ministry, I like the fact that we're all sitting here because we are believers, we are in, in ministry. Our ministry out there flows out of the relationships that we've got with the community. It's not possible to do ministry in a vacuum. It's not practical. It's, it's, it's something we can't even talk about. So Jesus says, um, Jesus prays for all believers. From John 17, chapter 20, verse 23, he says that, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. All of them may be one. He's praying that we be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. In them and, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. There is no way we can talk unity if there is no peace. Remember I've said ministry is about relationships. And we can forget about it if there is no unity. It's going to get interesting as we proceed. Then the, word, the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. If we believe that he is the prince of peace and we know that relationships are at the center of ministry, then we've got to be intentional about talking about unity, about oneness. Because as we go out there, there are cases where ministry demands us to work as a team, to work as one, to work as unity. If we read the story of Moses and Aaron, one of the greatest examples of how working in peace and in unity can deliver. We know that Moses had his difficulties in terms of executing the task that God had set for him, in terms of lack of eloquence. And we know that Aaron comes through and he was the one to be the mouthpiece. Simple as that. We are gifted in different ways. If we are not as a family of God able to come in peace and work together in ministry, you are going to be good with your singing. I'm going to be good with my dancing. You are going to be good with your preaching. You are going to be good with your giving. If we don't bring those together in peace, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. The crude term to use is selfishness. 
I mean, the, the reality of this is it has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with social status. And the issue of social status is a bit dangerous because it is perceived social status. People tend to put each other in a class that they think they, you belong to. But who goes to someone's bank account and asks to see how much they earn so that you can pose? It's all perception. And we are saying here, if we are a children of God and are supposed to understand that ministry flows out of relationships, forget about race, forget about social status, forget about gender. Let's come together in peace because that's what the God of peace demands here that we do for ministry to work. So together Moses and Aaron delivered or accomplished one of the greatest glorious rescues in all history and uh, all because they were willing to work together in peace to accomplish God's will. That's what the God of peace demands. It is healthy to have relations with uh, each other and, and let us assess now where our relations stand. Are we able, are we that mature to be able to say, forget about all the differences that we have. Let's come together with love, which is the basis of all this, and deliver the mission that God has set for us because it flows out of our relations with one another or between one another or with our communities. The leader of, of NCMI, his name is Tyron Daniel, he says here that we cannot have a history of broken relationships all over the world and think that we are doing the will of God. It's not possible. It does not happen here. It happens where we come from. That's where we build the relations. That's where ministry is required. When someone is here, yes, we need to attend, we need to work, but more importantly, we need to go out there because that's where we are needed. And for us to go out there, we need to go as one. The love that we speak about must flow out of what, how we are living our lives. So we've spoken about peace at national level. God intervenes. We've spoken about peace within our hearts. We need to mend our broken relationship with God for restoration to take place. We are all sinners by nature. And lastly, we spoke about individual relationships. Peace must prevail. But what, what is God say? Why, why that? Why do we have to do that? Because God has made a promise. He says that here from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 to 2. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. That's what he says from Psalms chapter 34. And save those that are crushed in spirit. Peace at individual level. The Lord is close to those that are brokenhearted. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you. Don't look about you. 
for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely, I will help you. Surely, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The Lord is there to maintain peace in whatever circumstances. National level, individual level, relational level. But we've got a response to make. We've got a response. We've got some work to do. It requires us to connect. It requires us to play our part. That's why I said at the beginning, commit to being the agent of peace. Because God works through people. It was not by mistake that David was raised uh, up against Goliath just like that. It's because out of everyone who's sitting here, God knows where our strength lies. For peace to prevail, maybe he's deciding to use you for that peace to prevail. So, how do we How do we respond to this? Let's go to the, to the circle, to the triangle of, uh, of peace. So while I was going about this subject, I, I learned that the subject of peace is almost a, a, a complete circle or a triangle. And actually, I, I called it uh, Ben's relational triangle or radiating triangle of peace. So all rights are protected. Please be careful. Be, be careful. Copyrights here. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to make a lot of money from you. So what I've learned when I was, when I was uh, going through this and uh, praying to God is that there is no way you can look at the right side of the triangle between you and God and forget the right, si- the, the right side where family, business, or friends, community is. It's not possible. When you talk about your relationship with God or peace, between you and God. It has to be a complete cycle where family, friends are also part of it. If your father is not your friend, if your brother is not your friend, if your mother is not your friend, please reconsider. If your neighbor is someone that if they come out of their house, you wait before you also come out so that they disappear, please reconsider. Because the subject of peace and us calling upon Jesus to be at the center of peace in all our spheres of life, we'll miss it. Because it's not complete if we don't look to the peace that must exist between us and neighbors and friends and family, our father, our mother. It's not complete. I struggled when I was doing this to, to, to say to God, Peace between you and me is complete. If I, if I don't look at the other side to say, God, I'm saying peace between you and me is complete because that peace between me and my wife and my mother and my father and my neighbor is complete. That's how it works. I'm almost tempted to say, forget about it. If you think that peace exists between you and God, if it's not there between you and the neighbor, in the same manner, I would, I would assume that for the neighbor to also believe that there is peace, or for my father and my mother, for them to believe that there is peace between them and God, the right side of the triangle, this one, for that to be complete, this one at the bottom must also be complete, simple. And God is at the apex. 
I'm encouraging us today to say this peace that we're talking about in all its forms. If we're looking for peace in the form of God intervening in our distress, sickness and all that, for that to prevail, when you stand up and pray to God and say, God, I need healing, this must be in place. When you stand up to say, God, I'm going to pray for my country today, this must exist. Fortunately, not unfortunately, but fortunately, it must exist. I've deliberately put a radiation, some radiation indicating, indications there because assuming this is between you, God, and your neighbor, you, you don't make up the entire community. I'm saying once between you, God, and your father and mother and neighbor, once it exists there, the natural thing is that it radiates. It, 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 it emits some, some vibe, if, if that's the right term. It emits some vibe that, your neighbor, that the rest of the community are able to see. If it's love that we are depicting because of the peace that exists within us and our neighbor and our father and all that, the rest of the community are likely to see it and it will catch up. That, uh, that is how nations are built. That is how uh, countries are built. It starts with you. Some people want, it, want to see it from the president first or from the village chief or headman. But it starts with you and your neighbor and your God. Build that triangle between you, neighbor, God, you, father, God, you, daughter, God, you, uh, other stakeholder, God. When it's complete, the world will see it. And it will happen. And in the same vein, if you try to do it without God at the apex, problem also. We're here because we believe that God is at the center of all spheres of our lives. And once we believe that and understand that, when we try to engage with our neighbors, with God at the apex, that cycle, that triangle is built. And if you try to take out any part of that, it's not complete and issues. It's in green. I put it in green for a specific reason. For me, green is the color that represents achievement, positivity. If you change it to red, then uh, it's something else. So let's start from here. I know these things require a lot of being intentional about them. They don't happen on their own. It does not necessarily mean that uh, if you have no... There's a tendency to say, I have no issues with him. I have no issues with him. No issues does not necessarily mean that there's peace and there's friendship or there's relationship. It does not mean that. No issues... To me, as an element of saying, uh, one of those, or I don't care. I have no issues with him. If so, if, in fact, if it, the discussion gets to a point where it says, I have no issues with him, it tells that there's a problem. Once it gets to that. I have no issues with him. Be intentional about peace. Reach out. If there's issues, when you say there's no issues, there's issues. Please reach out. Be intentional. For all the forms of peace to prevail, when we want Jesus to be the prince of peace, we need to be actively involved in that process. Jesus or God works through people. 
for peace to prevail, be that agent. Right, so when I was going through this and when I was thinking, I was like, so having said all this, what does it mean? Do we leave it hanging and say, yeah, we, we know that there's three levels of uh, peace we can talk about international, uh, between me and God, restoration of the broken relationship, or between me and neighbor, or father and mother. There, there is definitely, I believe in uh, saying, when everything is said and done, what is it that I'm committing to doing? God. We've said that. The beginning. If you're online, I hope you can hear me. The beginning. Reconcile and make peace with God. Because by nature, we are sinners. By nature. Not by activity. By nature, we are sinners. Reconcile and make with peace with God. And remember, it's a process. It's an everyday thing. It does happen. It's not an event that, yeah, I did it in 2010, so I'm cool. It's a process. It's an everyday life process. Reconcile with God. Make peace with God. Number two, obey God. Remember, all the battles, we've spoken about real wars uh, in this element of, of, of peace. Not all the battles that, that Israel and other God's people went through ended in victory. There was a reason for that. There were cases where even if their God was there, there was serious, serious lashing. There was serious humiliation. It's because of this subject here, lack of obedience. Number two is obey God because peace generally is difficult to attain if we don't obey God. So we, we learned that some of the battles they went through, they lost. But it was only when they obeyed the Lord and trusted in God that they emerged victorious. We know, we've always said the relationship between God and the Israelites was up, down, up, down. It was as simple as revolt against God, you lose. Turn back to God, you win. It's as simple as that. The reason why we emphasize on obedience is because that's what God wants. Number three, make personal peace with family. I mean, they say charity begins at home. Start in your family. If you come here, or if I come here and speak the message of peace, if things are not right in my background, it defeats the purpose. I really would want us to be intentional about this. Explore ourselves. Find out if our relations with family are in order. Like I said, it's not about I'm okay with them. That's a sign of a problem. Please intentionally explore. Find out relations are in order. And then family. And then friends. And then community. Be intentional. Make The reason why I put the word personal is you personally going there or personally engaging. Please don't push Jesus to be um, agent of peace or prince of peace. You are part of that. Spread the message and be the agent of peace. We have said this at the beginning. Jesus needs people to use in this process of delivering peace. He does it through people. Are we raising up our hands to say, God, I'm here. 
I want to be the agent. I want to be that, that uh, instrument that you are going to use to deliver peace. Because in a lot of cases, we see that he delivers peace through people in one way or the other. So be that agent that God is looking for to achieve peace. And last but not least, I mean, since he is the prince of peace, let's present all forms of lack of peace to him. All forms of lack of peace are to be presented to him. We committed those are in distress now to God. Is it sickness? Is it lack? Is it family squabbles? Let's present to God. Because he's the prince of peace. God, Jesus, is the prince of peace. Let us present these things that are taking away the peace to him. Because he is the prince of peace indeed. All forms, three main areas. We're talking real war. We're talking, call it war between God and us. Call it war between our family and friends and us, relational. Three types all be presented to God. So, it will be very interesting as time goes on to say, now that we have learned so much about what Jesus is to us through this period, dominion of our lives in so many areas, including the aspect of peace. What is it that we're going to do coming out of here? This is my view of how I would respond, having learned what I learned, making sure my relationship with God is restored and all these five or so pointers. What is your own response? I mean, we, we don't want to prescribe, but to challenge each other to say, as you step out of this door, does peace prevail in line with what the Prince of Peace expects from us within our hearts, within our community, or even national level, or within us, between us and, uh, and friends, the relational type of uh, peace that we're talking about. So thank you. May the God of peace that we preached here be with all of us as we begin the year. Let us be intentional about peace and God bless us. Thank you.